Oh, it is always good to get together on Wednesday night in the middle of the week. You've been busy, you've been out there uh, in traffic, in, at work, dealing with neighbors, dealing with all kinds of things, and it's nice to just take a, huh, a stop and, and be refreshed and reminded of the things of the Lord in the middle of the week. And I hope that you'll participate all the way tonight. Uh, at the end of the, um, before, before we go into prayer time tonight, we'll have to re- remind me, Sergio, would you remind me, we've got someone that has, uh, has filled out the paperwork and been interviewed for church membership, and we want to vote on him tonight, and we'll do that later on. Let me read a quick um, missionary letter. Uh, we don't hear from these folks very often. They're retired, and so they don't write letters, I guess, uh, but it's okay. The, uh, the Fredericks, they served for many years in Germany, and uh, now they're living in Wisconsin, or, or Minnesota, Minnesota, with some relatives. And they sent a Christmas, they sent a nice card after they got the Christmas gift that you all gave them. Remember all the missionaries, we gave them like $900. What a wonderful gift that we were able to give them all this year. And I heard from a few of them, didn't hear from all of them, but, uh, but uh, they, were, they were grateful for, for that. Anyway, he's written something here in German that I won't read. But it's, a, but it's basically a Merry Christmas letter. Uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Highlights of the year, Mary Lou had successful cataract surgery in January and February. April 4, uh, or April, they had a four-week Germany trip to visit their daughters, Sonia and Stefan uh, Jonas, uh, 23 years at University of Stuttgart, Janina, 21 at the University of Hendrick, is now 16 years in school and goes hiking with the family, and then they were playing board games. Uh, Heidi turned 46 on Easter Sunday. And Mecky Hannes, uh, 19 years, uh, graduating in 23 from prep school for the university. She's a traveler. And, uh, and uh, they visited the U.S. for two weeks in August and September. So apparently they spent so much time in Germany as missionaries, their family pretty much stayed over there. And uh, they're continuing in the work over there, I'm sure. Uh, the Lord has kept us from getting COVID. Praise the Lord for that. As you get older, you don't want that. As every place we visited had someone with it. We were so thankful that we were physically able to make the trip. At our former church, Russ preached in German and had a fellowship dinner. It was a blessing to see everyone. Sadly, some have passed on to glory. We live with our daughter, Valerie, the son-in-law, Dave, and Larissa, 17 years old, graduating in 2023. Uh, She's driving. She took a European art trip class and senior class, a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, plays volleyball and hockey for fun, and Praise and thank the Lord she'll be going to the Torchbearers, some, uh, Torchbearers Bible School in Germany in English from September to March of 2023 and 2024. Paul, 16, is a sophomore at, at uh, Southwest Christian High School, plays sports, especially soccer and hockey, uh, with uh, making freshman varsity uh, a goal and also singing in the chapel choir and playing the piano on perfect pitch. I just be proud of him. Thomas is 12 and keeps busy with media, piano, and with other inventions, building from ideas he has, and he's enjoying his downhill skiing with a ski team twice a week. Valerie does dog sitting, so that makes it interesting sometimes for her dog, Daisy. Uh, Dave keeps busy with work. He and Paul have the ice rink built in the backyard ready for the winter, and we now have freezing cold temperatures and snow, so it is time. It took several trips uh, to resort on a lake and around Lake Michigan, ending up in Chicago. In November, Russ, Mary Lou, and her sister Karen took a trip to Belton, Texas to visit our, our brother Bob and wife Erica as they're no longer able to travel to Wisconsin and Minnesota. 
We had a very good visit, and they appreciated our coming. The garden didn't do too well, but it was fun. The hot summer didn't help. Mary Lou tended the flower beds, liked to dig the, dig the dirt. Russ still taking his walks if the weather is good. Has been visiting Reggie, a vet from our church, and getting him out for walks. He's a deacon at church and also has a church service once a month at a care center, which is a blessing for him. We're thankful for the Lord, or to the Lord for our health and meeting our needs. Uh, Dave's folks from Florida will be here for Christmas. Bonnie came here to enjoy snow. And Buck will be coming. That will come the 22nd, Lord willing, as weather permits, as we expect a winter blizzard. May the Lord give you all a blessed Christmas. Of course, we've already had that. But um, anyway, he's thankful for the Lord who came to redeem us from our sins as we confess our sins and worship and serve him forever. So, uh, and then pray for Paul. He has mono as of January 6th, and he's doing some better. They put a little scratching in here at the end. But, you know, it's, it's nice to see. These are people that served the Lord for many years, and they've earned their rest and reward. But yet they're still serving the Lord. And they're not doing as much as they did, but they're doing something for the Lord. And what, the, what they did must have done something, to, because it had an impact upon their own family, who are still serving the Lord. So that's a, that's a blessing, and that's good. That's a challenge for you and me, too, uh, to stay faithful as long as we're around. I want to remind the men, I got mixed up on Sunday. I got so mixed up on Sunday. I had the things that were happening next week happening this week, and the things this week, next week, and everything else, and I think I made all the announcements wrong. Uh, and so I sent an email out to you. Did you get that? Hopefully it straightened out some of it. But uh, I don't know why my mind was just all off on that on Sunday. But it's this Saturday, men. This Saturday, just a couple days from now, 9 o'clock in the morning, we'll meet right back there. Bobby's got it already set up. Bobby, are you going to fix breakfast? Or do I have to go to McDonald's? Okay, you're going to fix breakfast? Okay, good. All right, because sometimes when we didn't have somebody to cook, I'd do that. I'd run and get breakfast sandwiches. But, but Bobby, Bobby will fix something for breakfast. It'll always be good. We gather up here. There's 12 to 15 of us, and we... We, uh, we pray together, we have a short devotional, uh, we enjoy some fellowship, and then we get out of here because it's Saturday and everybody's got stuff to do. But it is good for men to get together, and I would encourage you to participate if you can this Saturday. And then next Saturday is the opportunity that we have to go down to the Lunar uh, New Year Parade, and uh, we'll be passing out gospel tracts over there uh, next Saturday, not this Saturday. All right, let's look at the, uh, the documents that I've put together for you here tonight. Uh, you've got your prayer list in front of you. You can see the, church me- or the staff member, deacons, missionaries, all those people of the week. Remember these people when we go to pray in a little bit. Just remember to pray for them. I think there may be some back on the back table. You need one? I think I have one left up here if you need it. Can somebody get this to Sergio for me? I think he's looking for one. You need one too? Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. I thought I had enough made up, but apparently we have more people showing up tonight. That's a good problem. That's a good problem. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'll make up some more for next week. Make sure we have plenty. Sometimes we have we make too many, and then we end up throwing them away. So we just kind of try to cut down, and keep the cost down. Anyway, uh, be praying for Rick Womack. I expect. I think by the end of this week, he's supposed to get news about uh, how they're going to proceed with his his gallbladder stuff over there in Arizona. And I know that they appreciate our prayers. I get notes from them once in a while. They miss us. I don't know why they moved over there to Arizona, but that's all right. They're gone. And, uh, but they're, they still keep in touch, and uh, they still look at us as their, as their kind of their home, and now their home away from home. And I'm sure they're trying to sell their house and other things that are going on, so keep, keep praying for them. And then uh, my wife and Karen, 
Don and I have been batching it for a few days. I said, I'm glad to see you're still alive. I think I am. And, uh, and our wives will be back later on tonight. They've been down at, a, at, a Christ, at, at some training for, uh, for uh, Christian counseling for women uh, uh, the last uh, few days. And so uh, I know they're looking forward to getting back. I know I'm looking forward to getting her back. So that's good. So be praying for them when we go to prayer time tonight. All right, now let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. When I started this lesson, I planned on just basically focusing on one verse, uh, but then I said, well, I'm just going to read the chapter, read the context, and so that you would have an idea how this all fits together. So 2 Samuel chapter 5, David is now the king over all of Israel. You can look in the notes there. I'm just going to hit the highlights of this. Uh, David now has become the king, and uh, he is getting ready to take over all over Israel as as the new leader of the land. He's the second king of the United Kingdom of Israel. Who was the first king? Remember him? Saul, King Saul, right. And David spent most of his his, uh, last few years before he became king running from Saul, uh, because Saul was jealous of him, but God had ordained Saul, or or David, to be his replacement. And uh, and David's been running from Saul all this time. And now, finally, things are settling in, and in the first few verses there, you see that David is now the, the king uh, over Israel. Thirty years old when he became king, verse 4. And he reigned for forty years. And uh, the king and his men, verse 6, said uh, they went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites and the inhabitants of the land. Okay, that's kind of a highlight. You want to remember that. And then just skip on over to the next page and uh, into uh, page number 5. And you'll see that then the Philistines start raising up their head against uh, David. And they want to take David out. Uh, they've been enemies of him. He's been, he's been wreaking havoc in their camps for a long time. And now that he's king, they really want to take him out. Verse 17, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. And, and now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. And then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal-perazim and defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore he named that place Baal-perazim. They abandoned their idols there, the Philistines did. And so David and his men carried the idols away. Now, the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, the Lord said, You shall not go directly up. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear the sound of marching at the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so, just as the Lord had commanded him, and struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Okay, so here we have a situation where King David is hes just wanting to do what God wants done. Attacking when God wants him to attack. Waiting when God wants him to, to wait. He, he's, 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 he's trying to just simply do God's will as the king of Israel. Lead, lead the children of Israel in God's will. And you say, why are all these battles happening? Why are they killing all these people? Why are they doing this stuff? And I know sometimes we, I, I, I hear people talk as they talk about the Old Testament. And they talk about God being the God who murders people and kills people and this sort of thing. 
Well, the fact of the matter is, long before God had given this land to Israel. Anyway, let's, let's, we're, 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 we're jumping ahead a little bit here. You know, one of the things we really love about David is that he just had such a tender heart to the things of God. When God said, go, he went. When God said, stop, he said, okay. He just simply wanted to do God's will. That was his heart. He's called the man after God's own heart, right? And, uh, and we know him as a, as a shepherd boy. He, he played the lyre, the harp, and, and he watched over his father's sheep, and he defended the sheep. He was not a little sissy at all. Uh, he defended the sheep with a, uh, against a bear and a lion. He, he told, him, told the story of that. And then you remember when Goliath stepped out and challenged Israel, even as a young boy. Uh, he stepped up and he said, I'm going to stand for God even as a young man. Kind of reminds me of Daniel, same way, that same attitude. I'm not going to back down when God calls me, I'm doing something. And then God enabled him, empowered him, and gave him a slingshot with a guided missile that shot that rock straight at Goliath's forehead, knocked him on his back, and then David took uh, Goliath's own sword and decapitated him. And uh, won the battle that day and gave victory to the Lord. He said, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. So this is, the, this is the kind of young man he was. And then, as I mentioned already, Saul becomes jealous of him because God's hand is so strongly upon this young man that he's winning victories for Israel. And, and people are saying Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And so Saul gets very jealous of him and says, I've got to take this guy out because I want to hang on to my throne. Saul was not so interested about God's will, he wanted his own will. And so we had this, this uh, ambitious king trying to take out David. Now, David was not perfect. You can go to the next page and you can see the reminders. We know that later on in his life, as he got up in years, he got, uh, he, he got into sin with Bathsheba. And later on, he got where he numbered the children of Israel and caused a lot of, wreaked a lot of havoc in Israel. A lot of, a lot of people uh, had to go through difficult times because of David's sin. Same way with us, whenever we step out of God's will, we not only wreak havoc for ourselves, we cause trouble for other people. You know, sometimes I hear from other people who have uh, been the victims of other people's sins. And, uh, it's, and, uh, and I grieve for that, because uh, it's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why we should walk with the Lord, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of everyone around us. Uh, because the, the things that we do has an effect on others. That's important. So David wanted to know God's will. And you see there on page uh, number six, uh, it's, a, it's a Jewish man praying. It's kind of an indication. That's the star of David there. Uh, when we were in Israel, we saw people praying like that with the prayer shawls and the, and the, and the, and the hat on. I, d- I don't know that David necessarily had all of that back in those days, but I do know that David was a man who gave himself to praying and talking to the Lord, seeking the will of God to do what God wants done. That's what we're doing when we come together on Wednesday nights to pray. That's what we're doing. We say, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to proceed? Where do you, where do you want to use us? Where do you want to use me specifically? And in your own personal prayer time, that's the way it should be. But the key verse of our study is right there in verse 19. David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? David said, I'm not moving until I know what you want me to do here. Sometimes we get an idea in our head what we think God wants us to do, and we just go do it. And, uh, and sometimes we jump in where angels fear to tread, and we get ourselves into trouble. 
I remember years ago on Guam, I was, I don't know, my, I guess mid-20s, and I was given the privilege of going to another island out to uh, Ponape Island, and we went out to a little island off of that for a youth camp with a bunch of young people. We took 70 kids on some boats out to, the, out to this island. We played volleyball every day, all day long. We caught our own fish. That was the only way we could eat. Uh, somebody brought a big bag of rice, and they cooked some rice, and we ate fish and rice for a week. And we used an outhouse and took a shower out in the boondocks, and, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was really rough in it, it was, but, but it, was, it was great fun. But we would, we would get up in the morning and read our Bibles, and the sun would come up on one side, and then we'd preach in the evening, and the sun would go down on the other side of the island. We could, that's how small the island was. One of our races was to pass a, give a rope to two teams, and they, one team would hold one rope, and the other team would hold the other rope, and they'd say, run around the island. They'd run all the way around the island holding the rope, and if you dropped the rope, you had to stop. And uh, it was great fun. That's a little island. It was great fun. Great fun. And I really loved it. I fell in love with these kids. We had 70 kids. Some of them came to know the Lord. Some of them gave their hearts to the Lord. I remember at the, the last day we were there, and I was sleeping out under a tin roof. It was raining. I was sleeping on a metal, I mean, a, a, on, a, on a hard slab. And this kid was laying next to me. Patterson was his name. And I'm sitting here about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going, I've had a good week, but I am tired of this. I want to go home. I'm ready. And then Patterson turned over to me in the middle of the night. He says, Dan, are you awake? I said, yeah, I'm awake. How can you sleep? There's rain dropping on my forehead while I'm trying to sleep. He says, he says I really don't want tomorrow to come. I said, what? Why? He said, I don't want you to leave. Oh, man, rip my heart out, you know. And I was going to have to leave the next day. And it was, it was like my emotions took over, and I said, you know what? I think God wants me to be a missionary to Pontipay. And I stood up one time in the service and said, I think God's calling me to Pontipay. And nothing ever happened after that. Nothing opened up. No opportunity opened up. I, I did go back later on for another week with my brother. We found better accommodations the next time. But, um, but it wasn't God's will for me. You know, sometimes we want to do something because we get emotionally charged and we want to do something. And we need to stop and wait and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And wait for God's clear direction. This is what David was doing when he came to this battle with the Philistines. Stop, wait, pray, let God open the door. Don't push your way through. Because sometimes we push our way through and we make a mess out of things. So anyway, David inquired of the Lord. He was not an ambitious man. Ambitious man, There's a misspelling there. He was not an ambitious man who just enjoyed fighting and wanted to just beat people up and take them over. He was somebody who said, I will fight if that's what God wants me to do. And I will win if God lets me. Uh, but I, uh, I want to do God's will and not my own. And we know he had that, that attitude because just a few verses later in the next page, you can see in verse 23, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, don't go directly up. Stop. Wait, listen for further instructions. And don't go the way you normally would go. And don't use your own strategy. I have a better plan. And he talked about going around behind the balsam bushes and stuff like that. And then God went in and actually God won the battle for him. And he just kind of was there when it happened. That's an amazing thing. When we let God work in our lives, we can accomplish things for the Lord. So there are times when we need to just stop and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do? So I was going to just focus on that. Just wait on the Lord. Pray before you do something. And then I read the whole chapter. 
And I looked at the beginning of the chapter, and you saw where I mentioned something about him going up against the Jebusites at Jerusalem. And I looked and I said, when, when did David pray about that? And there was nothing there. We don't see where David stopped to pray and ask God. He just knew he was supposed to go do that, and he just did it. Well, where did he get that instruction? Why would he do that? Why didn't he stop and wait? You know, there's some things that God has already given us a command, and there's no sense in stopping to wait and pray. Should I do this? Because God said, do it. And, uh, and God had told Israel, is, this land is your land. I gave you this land. Look at the bottom of page, uh, what is it, page number seven there. There's a map there. And that was the land of Israel that God had given way back. I mean, David's in 2 Samuel. Genesis is kind of at the beginning of the Bible, right? In Genesis chapter 12, God had met with Abraham way before David was even a twinkle in his mother's eyes, you know. And God had said, that land is yours. That land is for you. That land is for your descendants. That land is for the nation of Israel. That land is for those who come after you. Go get it. Go get it. Claim it. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. All right? So, Abraham walked all over it. He walked all around. You can read about that in Genesis 12, 13, 14, and all the way through there in the life of, 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 of Abraham. Then you have behind, behind him his son Isaac and you have Jacob. And they went all over the place, drilling wells, digging wells, preparing up, setting up, claiming that land. That was their land. Because God had given it to them. It was their land. Well, then we know that the drought came. And we know that the land kind of dried up. And uh, the children of Israel ended up going to Egypt, following Joseph. God had sent Joseph. You know the story of Joseph, how his brothers sold him into slavery. And Joseph said, God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to preserve my people alive. And Joseph rises to the top, and he calls for his father and his brothers, and they all join together. And then Israel moves into Egypt for a while, into the land of Goshen. Another king rises up and didn't know Joseph. And before you know it, the children of Israel are in slavery. For 400 years, they're in slavery. And then comes the book of Exodus. God sends in Moses. God sends Aaron with him. God does the miracles, the plagues. He opens up the Red Sea, all this stuff. And God tells Moses and Joshua, go back and get that land. It was yours. It's yours. And specifically, if you go to the next page, on page 8 in Exodus chapter 23, uh, and verse 23, God said to Moses and to Aaron and to Joshua, the children of Israel, for my angel will go before you and bring you to the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. Verse 24, you shall utterly destroy them and break their sacred pillars of pieces to pieces. Uh, verse 27, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come, and I will make all your enemies turn your back, their backs to you. Uh, down a little further, down verse 31, I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you will drive them out before you. Verse 33, they shall not live in your land, because they will make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will utterly be a snare to you. It will be, surely be a snare to you. So, the, so God had given, this, this was their land, this was their property. God gave it to Abraham, and all the way through, 
it got overtaken by the Canaanites, and God said, go back and get it. It's yours. That was their mission. That was what Israel was supposed to be doing, claiming the promised land. It was obvious that's what God wanted them to do. It's a no-brainer. You don't really have to ask. God said, get that land. That's yours. Okay? Now, I believe that there's prayer all along the way. Lord, help me get this done. But I know what you want me to do. You told me to do it. You said, go get it. Now, the next page, page 9. Moses and Joshua began the conquest, doing what's going on there. By the way, that's, a, that's an old tapestry that's in Rome uh, on the back there. On, on the top of that page, an old tapestry of the Battle of Jericho. And, uh, and how God led them in to defeat Jericho and Ai and all the other cities there in that, in that land. That's the history of Israel. And that was what all, all of the leaders, uh, Joshua, Moses, uh, all of the judges came back behind them. You got Samson, you got all these guys that came through and they fought these battles to reclaim what God had given to them as their, as their land. So that was their main mission. That was the Jews' main mission, get Israel. Praise the Lord, right now, the Jews have got Israel. And there's more Jews going back in there than ever before. It's an amazing thing what God's doing there in the land of Israel. Um, and they're, they're, they're claiming it and getting it back. Now, David didn't have to ask if he should conquer Jerusalem. God had said, go get them. Who were the, who were the people who, who lived in Jerusalem? The Jebusites. Way back in the book of Genesis and Exodus, God had, God had said, take those Jebusites out. They were idol worshipers. They were worshipers of false gods. And God said they need to be stopped. So, I like the, uh, there's a quote here on the top of page 9 here in blue letters. There. Sometimes the command of God is so huge that it can't be accomplished in one hour, one day, one year, one decade, or even one lifetime. Uh, the command is clear, but it cannot be accomplished by one person alone. So God sent this series of people to go in and conquer this land. Go for it. Get it. Go get it. Reclaim it. It's yours. It's yours. And David was one among many. So he knew God wanted this done. And he went in it. He didn't have to pray too hard about it. He knew what God wanted him to do. And I thought about that. And said, you know, you and I have been given a command. We don't have to pray about whether we should witness or not. We don't have to pray about whether or not we should support missionaries and send them around the world to preach the gospel. We don't have to pray about these things. We don't have to pray about making disciples of every nation. Because Jesus said we're supposed to do it. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the world. There's a big go on the earth that we're supposed to be going out there to get that gospel out. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Acts 1.8, you shall be my witness. You shall be, that's your command. Be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, the question is not, what are we supposed to do? Because we've been told, go witness. Go make disciples. Reach this world for God. Reach this world for Christ. Tell them the truth. The tricky thing comes in, is when we know we're supposed to do that, and we've got to start asking the Lord, where do I specifically fit into this thing? Because none of us can go to every country. There are countries in this, country, in this world I can't even pronounce the names, let alone learn the language. I don't even know the names of the countries. 
Uh, we had a missionary here not too long ago, Matt Utley was here, and he was talking about the, the stands countries. And I said, I never even heard of those places before. And I know there are other nations out there. So there's two or three hundred nations across the world right now. And I don't even know where all of them are. So we can't go everywhere, but we can go somewhere. We know what we're supposed to be doing, and that's sharing the gospel. I can tell you right now where you're supposed to be doing it right now. San Francisco, right? Do it where you are. Get busy where you are. Do what you're supposed to do here. Live for the Lord. Tell people the the gospel. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Spread the seed. Share what you have been given. It's not what we're supposed to do. We know what we're supposed to do. The question is not why. The why is answered because Jesus said to do it. He's told us to. So we don't have to ask him, are you, do you really want me to do this? Why do you want me to do it? No, he said do it. Go do it. Now, go to the next page here. We don't have to pray to ask if we should be doing some things. We have marching orders. The question is more how, where, when, who, which part of this project is ours. Now, you're going to have to pray about that. You're going to have to ask God to give you specific who should I talk to today about the Lord? Where is my specific ministry supposed to be? You've got a general command. I say, Lord, where specifically do you want to use me? And you kind of have to look around and see the people close to you. And start, start right there. Your attitude should be what Isaiah's was when he met the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6. He said, here am I. Send me. I think a lot of times we say... Ah, not me. <laughs> I can't do this. And uh, I like the illustration. You may have heard it before. I, it really, basically, what is witnessing? It's, it's one beggar telling another beggar where he got bread. That's kind of what it is. You know, we, we're just sinners saved by grace. We're not necessarily, we don't have to be preachers to stand behind one of these pulpits and that sort of thing. But as we go to coffee shops and as we walk through the streets, as we talk to our neighbors, we share the love of Christ with them and we pass out gospel tracts. I ordered a bunch more gospel tracts. I can't believe how many tracts you all put out. This is wonderful. Keep doing it. But that's our mission. Get the word out. Get the gospel out. That's what we've been called to do. It's a big job. Just like David's job was a big job, conquer the land. Our job is to reach the world. When we get to the place where we're willing to obey, then you need to stop and do like David did. Lord, do you want me to go now? How, we, how do you want me to go about this? Uh, that's the way we need to be praying. Lord, now? This time? Yes. Go. And then we need to be like those children there on that page, listening closely. Sometimes God speaks to us by, you ever read your Bible, all of a sudden it's like that verse jumps up and smacks you right in the forehead? I have. I read my Bible sometimes like, whoa, that's for me. I guess I better get busy. Um, sometimes I read a Bible verse and I say, that's for Don Alona. But, uh, but, but most of the time, it's, it's for me. It's for me. And, uh, and God speaks to me very directly. And, it, and I don't hear audible voices. Pastor Ennis mentioned something about an angel sitting on the foot of your bed the other day. No, it's not that. It's not that. But, but it's, 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 you just know that Bible verse was for me. 
Sometimes, it's another thing, somebody will come along and give you some advice and say, you know what, I, I sense that the Lord's working in your heart, and you'll find agreement in your heart that, yeah, maybe they're right. Sometimes you'll decide to go do something like, I wanted to go to Pontipay and be, an, be a missionary. And God just, man, he put up roadblocks. He said, nope, that's not where you're going. And you have to simply say, okay, Lord, I get it. I won't go. I'll stay right here where I am until you open a door and tell me to go someplace else. And that's, that's the way we have to go about our lives. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Not an audible voice, but you'll know. Okay? Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Um, God does have a specific plan for you. The general plan is to be a witness. The general plan is to live a holy life. The general plan is to obey the Scriptures. The commands of Scripture, there's, there's no debate about that. But how am I supposed to specifically be used? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jesus, uh, the, Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for, your, for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God is not trying to hide his will from you. It's not, a, it's, it's, it's not a great mystery. God wants you to know his will as much or more than you want to know it most of the time. It's just, are you willing? Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Now, next page. God guided David both generally, go, get the land, and specifically, this is how you will defeat the Philistines. Okay? And... Um, Later on, you see, or in the book of Numbers, you saw earlier where if you've read your Bible through, you, you come on that place in Numbers where, where God told the children of Israel, a million people, okay, it's time to move. It's time to stop. Time to wait. Time to go. Let's march. Let's stop. And he used that pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire by night. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 9 and uh, other places throughout the scriptures. Again, I've given you some ideas. A portion of scripture jumping off, a counselor, a circumstance that forces you into a certain direction. So, look at the bottom of page 11 there. It says, don't worry so much about finding God's specific will. Don't, don't fret about it. God wants you to know it. You just get busy doing his general will. Be a witness. Live the holy life. Ask God, what do you want me to do? And when he gives it to you, you move on. Take that, specific, take that next step. You can be fearless and victorious in the work of the Lord if you'll start off with what you know and let God guide you in the specifics later on. Okay? So, as we go to prayer in a little bit, remember now, we can be victorious. There's a, there's a psalm there, Psalm 27. If you need encouragement, you ought to look at that, about how God guides us and leads us. We're getting close to the end here, so... Let's, we'll stop there. But I want you to meditate. Think about this. Take this booklet home. Read through it again. Uh, ask God to give you clarity about what and where and how he wants to use you specifically in this huge work of reaching the world for Christ. That's our mission. Stay on point. Stay with it. And ask God for a specific direction. Let's close with a word of prayer and then we'll... I uh, do a little business here. So after I'm praying, David, you can shut the 
live stream off, okay? And that I would encourage you at home to get out your prayer list and spend some time with your family and those who are there with you and spend some time in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to look at your word. We thank you for a man like David who had such a heart to know your will and to, to obey you completely. Well, we know he wasn't perfect. He failed at times. But we thank you that for the most of his life, that was his goal. We're not perfect either, Lord. And when we fail, we pray that you help us to confess our sins and make it right with you. And then to go on and continue serving you, as David did, all the way to the end. Now, Lord, bless us as we seek your mind and seek your will. Help us to be faithful to our calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.